It's in the New Testament, Brother Ray. Back near the end. Oh, amen. Really? Yeah, when they closed down the ATM on my memory banks, it messed me up. I can't make any withdrawals or deposits, it seems like. Okay, I asked you last Wednesday night to look at 1 John chapter 2 and look at why John is writing this book and who he's writing it to and uh, what the purpose is, all those things, okay? And I know you all did that, and uh, I may let you share with us a little bit in a few minutes, but I'm going to share what I think first. <clears throat> or Actually, not what I think, what the Scripture says. Uh, we'll begin verse 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's the propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, why did John write this book? He's writing to us. The word little children there doesn't mean infants, it just means children. Okay, And John is old enough when he writes this to everybody's considered his kids. Okay, uh, In fact, he led most of them to the Lord. And so he's writing, and he says, my little children... My kids, these things I write I unto you that you sin not. Okay? Why? Why does he not want us to sin? Why did he write this book so that we wouldn't sin? Because he's old enough to see the damage that sin can do. John's lived long enough to see people be cheated and robbed. And beaten and abused and and murdered. He's lived long enough to see people destroy themselves with illicit drugs. You say, but they didn't have illicit drugs in that day and time. Oh, absolutely they did. In fact, they built temples over places where uh, gases came up out of the soil. And people would go in there and breathe in the gases until they hallucinated. The oracle at Delphi was a young girl. They made her live in this place, breathing these poisonous gases until she would begin to hallucinate, and then people would come in and ask her questions. And often she would give bizarre answers, which they knew must be from the gods, because, I mean, normal people don't think like that. And... uh, I've noticed we have some of that same problem today. Politicians, a lot of them seem like they're on something. <laughs> Normal people don't think like they do. <laughs> but, uh, uh, take that off the <laughs> CD, please. Uh, anyhow, uh, John says, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Why? Because he has, sinned. he has seen the effects of sin. He has seen the wages of sin. He saw what it cost Jesus on the cross of Calvary for us to sin. Now, John was the only disciple who went to the trial at Caiaphas' house. 
He's the only one who was there at the crucifixion. The others, some followed afar off. Peter got close enough to be in the courtyard outside of Caiaphas' house where Jesus uh, could turn and look at him, but Peter couldn't hear what was going on. In fact, John sent a little, one of the little girls, one of the servant girls, to go tell Peter to come on in. John was in there. He had friends in, uh, uh, among the Sanhedrin. His father was a very wealthy man. And, uh, and so he sent his little girl to ask Peter to, to come on in. And she walked up to Peter and she says, uh, Sir, are, are you one of his disciples? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. His first betrayal of Lord Jesus. First denial, excuse me. Wow. John has, was there and, and saw how Jesus looked when they brought him back from his scourging that purple robe sticking to his bloody, bleeding, broken body. Not the bones broken, the flesh. John was there. He saw it. He saw him as they hung him on the tree, drove the spikes into his hands and his feet, and lifted him up. John was close enough to the cross. He heard Jesus when Jesus said to Mary, Woman, behold thy son. And disciple, behold thy mother. And John took her home to his house and took care of her from that day on. John saw all that. John came to understand that there's not a single command in Scripture that's given so that God will love us. Say, what? No. God already loves us. He loved us before He gave us any commandments. He loved us before He gave us the law. He loves us so much that He gave us the law to keep us from hurting ourselves and from hurting each other. But we always want to do it our way. Okay? I don't know that Frank Sinatra ever trusted Christ as his Savior. I've never had any indication that he did. If he did not, or if he did, I guarantee you he is not today singing, I did it my way. If he's in heaven, he's not singing, I did it my way, because he recognizes Jesus is the way. If he's in hell, he's not singing, I did it my way. No, he's weeping and wailing and gnashing his teeth together. Because of his torment. God does not want us to hurt ourselves. Why do we hold little children's hands when they go up and down stairs? Huh? Because we don't want them to fall and hurt themselves. Okay? I always think, turn loose of them. Okay? They won't fall but twice. Maybe three times, you know. I mean, that's how we taught my little brother Rod not to fall down the basement steps. We let him fall twice. First time, we picked him up, sent him back upstairs to Mom. Second time, we let him lay there. Hey, you knew not to come down the steps like that. <laughs> we older brothers, we were much better teachers than, than apparently than we were taught. Uh, but... Uh, 
But no, we don't want little kids to hurt themselves. That's why we teach them not to run out into the street. When they go out on the parking lot, uh, we keep an eye on them uh, because we don't want them run over. Deer, on the other hand, run right over those dudes. <laughs> Smack into them. Boom. How many of you have done that, have hit a deer? Just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> okay, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Uh, Ron makes eight that I know of. Angie Brindley, uh, she hit one, so that's nine. <laughs> and... Uh, but, uh, but, no, we want to protect our children. God wants to protect us. And so he gives us these rules and regulations and says, don't do this, don't do that. And we, we hear the voice of God saying, thou shalt not steal. When I think if we understood God better, we would hear God saying, please don't steal. Please don't steal. It'll hurt you. It'll hurt your character. You'll end up having to pay a penalty for that. Please don't do that. And we find all of these commands in Scripture. John said, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if you discover that you have sinned, and we all have, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, an advocate, that's an attorney. Somebody who goes to bat for us before the throne of God. In God's judgment hall, He is our attorney. He's also Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the paid sentence for our sin. He already paid for the sin we committed when He died on the cross. He's the propitiation for our sin. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. I'm not going to stay there very long. We've done it, uh, been over that before. Verse 7, brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Okay, what's the old commandment? Somebody lay it on me. What are the two old commandments? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Then you get into the epistles of Paul. And Paul says, well, and Jesus said in the Gospels, love your enemies. So we'd love our neighbors and our enemies. Often you discover they're the same people. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You know it's true. Their, their leaves blow into your yard and you have to clean them up. And their dogs come in your yard and make messes and you have to clean it up. And you know. <laughs> love, your, love God, love your neighbor. And then he says, again, a new commandment I write unto you. Which thing is true in him, in who? In Jesus and in you. This is the new commandment. What's the new commandment? That you love one another as I have loved you. See, we're not only to love our neighbors and to love uh, people in the world the way we love ourselves, but we're to love people the way Jesus loves us. That's the new commandment. And he says, I write unto you this new commandment. If you say that you're in the light, if you say you're a believer, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as a Savior, and you hate your brother... 
You're in darkness even in, even until now. You're still not saved. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there's not an occasion of stumbling in him. It's hard to fall on your face when you're walking in the light. It's easy when you're walking in the dark. Okay? Okay. Verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You know why I let you choose your favorite songs tonight? Just because I like knowing what your favorite songs are. And there's so much doctrine taught in music. So much Bible doctrine taught in music, especially in the hymns. For example, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That is exactly a description of salvation. And it's not something that I earned. It's not something that I had to change my lifestyle to achieve. It's something God did for me because of His amazing grace. That's just cool. I mean, that's just wonderful. And then... And can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Wow. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's incredible doctrine. And then Brother Scheffler's favorite. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise. The glory of His resurrection share. The roll is called up yonder. I'll be there. I'll be there. And then, after they call the roll, they're going to serve the rolls at the marriage supper. I'll be there too. So if you want to, you can sing it. When the rolls are served up yonder. When the rolls are served up yonder. Okay. When the rolls are served up yonder. Pass me some with butter and honey on them, please. I mean, God's just, wow. So incredible. And how is all of that possible for me, a sinner? Why? Because the victory is in Jesus. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. That's Bible doctrine. I had a friend one time who, who, well, not a friend, an acquaintance, who said, said, go into church. You go in there and, and you go to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And they sing these songs and they sing on over and on and on and on and on. And I said, yeah. He said, I wish they wouldn't do that. I mean, just have an opening chorus and prayer and get into the Word. And I said, you don't pay attention to the words of the song, do you? He said, what? I said, you don't pay attention to the words of the song you're singing. You just sit there and sing. Just move your lips. You're not thinking. Those songs are teaching you Bible doctrine. 
and doing it in such a way that it helps to stick in your heart because they set it to music. Everything's easier if you set it to music. Okay? Say so everything? Oh, yeah, how'd you learn the ABCs? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So I learned it. I wish they had had multiplication tables set to music. I just had to memorize those. That was not at all as easy as the ABCs. Numbers. One, two, three, the devil's after me. Four, five, six, he's always throwing sticks. Seven, eight, nine, he misses every time. Glory, hallelujah, amen. Ten, nine, eight. Nine, eight, seven, I'm on my way to heaven. Six, five, four, I'm almost, I'm almost at the door. Three, two, one. My work on earth is done. Glory, hallelujah, amen. Okay? Everything's easy to remember when you said it in music. I write in you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You know why you're forgiven? One of the reasons why you're forgiven? Number one, because God loves you. But number two, because once you get saved, people call you a, a Christian. You carry the name of Christ. And so your sins are forgiven you for His namesake. Which is why we go back to the first verse which says, My little children, these, I, I, I write these things unto you, that you sin not. And Christ forgives you because you do sin. But He forgives you for His namesake. He wants everyone to recognize that you are a Christian. We really shouldn't call ourselves Christians. We ought to call ourselves followers of Jesus if we're following Jesus. And then let other people call us Christians. I'm a Baptist. Do you know that it's only been in the last 120 years that people didn't think Baptist was a dirty word? I mean, they didn't use this, well, maybe a little longer than that, because it was Civil War, just prior to the Civil War. Before that, if you were a Baptist, whoa, John Calvin, famous theologian, said, I wish I could take every Baptist preacher and hang a millstone around his neck and drown him in Lake Geneva. I can't wait to get to heaven. John Calvin's going to have to love me. <laughs> and I'm going to ask the Lord for a magic marker so I can write Baptist on my forehead when I go to see him. You know? I love John Calvin. He was wrong, but I love him. Okay? If people are going to call me Baptist, even today, if you tell some people you're Baptist, oh, this they look down their nose at you. Oh, yeah, we know you guys. Yeah. I hope you know me. I'm a Baptist. Baptists believe the book. Cover to cover. Word for word. That's what distinguishes us as Baptists. And the way you know that is we don't sprinkle people and call it baptism. Because the word baptism means to submerge. To submerge. 
I was talking to a lady just last week, and uh, she, she wants to come and get baptized. She got saved, I don't know, a long time ago, 12, 14, 15 years ago. And uh, she said, Brother Casey, I have never been baptized, and I need to be. And I said, what's holding you back? She said, I don't like getting my head underwater. And I don't know why I said this, maybe just because I'm a smart mouth, but I like to think the Holy Spirit gave it to me. I said, it's not getting your head underwater, it's how long they keep it there. <laughs> and she said, that's right. That's right, you know. I said, when I baptize you, I won't keep, it, I won't keep you under a long time. Okay? I won't even keep you long enough for your whole life to flash before your eyes. Now, when I got baptized, my dad put me under the water, and I was only like 14 years old, and my life flashed before my eyes, and I had to call for a rerun before he brought me back up. I mean, 14 years, that didn't very long. <coughs> Instant replay. But I'm a Baptist. Baptist has not always been a name that's respected But when I tell people I'm Gene Casey's son, people all over Jefferson County say, I knew your dad. He was my best friend. My dad had like thousands and thousands of best friends. And that's how I want to be known. I want to be known as a man who loves people. And a man who loves God and a man who loves the book. And believes it the way it's written. I mean, Peter's pretty clear when he says, now no prophecy of Scripture is given by the will of man. No. The Holy Spirit did it. i got to quit. One more, okay? Verse 13. I write unto you fathers, the old guys in the church, I write unto you, Father, because you have known him that is from the beginning. You have known Jesus. Some of you have known him for a long, long time. Brother Al Tedderton, he's known him about three years, two and a half years maybe. But some of you guys have been saved since before Hector was a pup. I mean, that's a long time. You've known Jesus since childhood. John says, I'm writing this unto you because you've known Jesus. So you know what I'm telling you is true. And this will remind you of some really, really important things. You have known Him that is from the beginning. Who's from the beginning? Jesus. He's before the beginning. And from the beginning, still is, always will be. He writes to you, fathers, because you've been saved a while. And you have learned to experience the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. The blessing of resting in Him, knowing He's going to take care of you. Whatever the need is, He's going to take care of it. It's just how He loves His children and how He works. The rest of that verse says, I write into you young men. So that's everybody younger than me. Let's pray together.
Father, thank you for your most precious word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for teaching us doctrine through the hymns. And for allowing us to meet together. Dear Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for your blessings to us. Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Wednesday night. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory for what you do. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.